0: If you are selling high theft items and you have a high risk store, so you have a store where you're like, wow, th- these are getting stolen like crazy, move those to a buy online, pickup and in store only model or a special order model and run those special orders through your website or through a, a mobile app, something like that, because that allows you to kind of control that purchase a little bit more. So working with a retailer that has basically moved all of those items into a locked back room and you either have to ask an associate if you want to buy it in store or you can just pull out your phone, place a store pickup order, go to the store pickup counter. But that way, it's it's not out there where it's easy to smash and grab. And by funneling you through the buy online, pickup and store process again, they're getting that additional data. All the information,
1: yeah. yeah. All right, and welcome once again to Commerce Today. My name is Darren Newbold, and as always, Josh is here with me as my co-host on Commerce Today. And we have got what is maybe just a little bit of a downer subject could be, but it is very interesting, and I almost feel like there should be the nightly news theme going right now because I feel like, hey, this is all about omni-channel strategies to combat retail theft, and it's a deep dive into that loss prevention. And the stories that we pulled from and and grabbed some information on are, well— Nothing short of very interesting. Josh, tell us some more.
0: Yeah, yeah. As we go live uh, today on August 23rd, um, just yesterday, Dick Sporting Goods put out their quarterly financial results. And we'll link to the story about this because what caught my eye is their sales are up. They're actually about 4% up. And yet their stock kind of plummeted because their profits were down 23%. So they sold more, wow. but they didn't make nearly as much money. And what is that all about? I mean, that's that's harsh. So, all right, what are they saying about it? Yeah, so they didn't beat around the bush. They are the first retailer to just outright say that entire drop was due to organized retail theft. Man, and in a Dick's Sporting Goods, how are they doing this?
1: Because I know I, I have worked retail in the past, and I happen to work at a what is considered a very high-end electronics retailer. We won't say the name, but they happen to be labeled as a fruit. Wow. Um, and it was not uncommon. It wasn't all, all the time, but for people to come in and, you know, yank something off of a table and just go. And as employees, we were told, hey, just let it happen. We had security there and stuff, but what's happening at Dick's Sporting Goods and maybe even some of these other places.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, Dick's they've lowered their forecast for the entire year financially by 12% due to in-store theft Earlier this year, Target also revised um, their estimates, said they expect to lose half a billion dollars to theft, and it's really a combination. It's it's different types of theft. Some of it is um, almost closer to fraud, as far as you know, buying a more expensive item but putting a less expensive barcode on it. There's some challenges around um, uh, self checkout with that. I know that Target's been hit with some people that have done that. Um, then there's uh, you know just flat-out shoplifting, and then right. there's organized crime. Yeah.
1: Well, and I hadn't even, in yeah. all of this, I hadn't even thought about the whole putting a different barcode on it. And Yeah, we are maybe, not giving people gonna, ideas exactly. or plans. That is
0: not what I, this is about. I was, I was,
1: I was about to say, well, maybe we better not go into D, because I was going to ask the question, well, how do you
0: do that? I, <laughs> well, let me get my label printer out, <laughs> yeah. and...
1: No. We'll pass on that one, yeah. folks. You'll have to figure that one out on your own. However, well, and you had asked a good question about Dicks, and yeah.
0: to me, thinking about them, like... And thinking about the the fruit vendor, um, things that have serial numbers, especially if you can track those serial numbers in your systems, that's a lot harder to steal and fence. But if it is a, and I you know, have to apologize, I or I'll have to apologize, I haven't bought a baseball glove in a long time, but let's say there's some super high-end $150, $200 baseball glove, or even $200 pair of shoes, they don't have serial numbers on them. So once they get out of that store, it's really hard to prove that that's the item that was um, stolen, and it's a lot easier for them to fence. So to a criminal, you go into a place like Dick's Sporting Goods, you see all those things that you know don't have serial numbers, and it's like a kid in a candy store.
1: Well, and, and one of the articles that, that you shared was talking about—I um, can't remember if it was Lowe's or Home Depot. It may have been Home Depot. It doesn't matter. It was one of the the home-building big-box stores— but one of the things they did to combat this is they basically made it so that their power tools uh, would not turn on until they'd been scanned. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was brilliant. But, okay, we, we've kind of hit on this current landscape, and and we do want to talk about that this ranges anywhere from, as Joshua is saying, that just, you know, small theft, petty theft to large-scale theft. But one of the things that they've been talking, that that's being talked about is, is this almost uh, – the smash and grabs and these uh, packs of people just showing up and mobs, I guess, kind of the, and just showing up. Upwards of 30 people attacking a store all at the same time, just going after it. So these are the kind of that, this is what where we're at in some areas. Now some is not as bad and, and there's even some concerns around whether this is economically related or not and you can go back and forth on that and it's a great topic for the political year that we have right now but that is not part of our commerce today so let's let's turn this to our commerce today and and what's e-commerce what can e-commerce do what's our role in that theft and prevention Josh
0: yeah well one of the things that I've seen is that um, smaller retailers, they have a harder time dealing with this because they just don't have the data. If you're Target, so we were talking before the show that you know Target's known for their just loss prevention amazingness, and they even have systems. They almost have a CRM for their shoplifters, and they use this to track and wait until you have stolen enough to be considered a felony before they turn it over to the police, especially in jurisdictions that are refusing to prosecute these smaller um, thefts. Well, if you're a small retailer, first of all, you may not have, you may just have one off thefts. You, you may never hit that felony level. Um, you don't have a CRM just for your loss prevention. Um, and you just don't have, enough, you don't have that same like nationwide data you can tap into to say, hey, our inventory is always off on these three items. We think these three items are our highest theft items. We want to take some special precautions around those. And that's where I really think e commerce and omnichannel can help. And I think the biggest thing um, to do, and, and skipping ahead a little bit in our plan, but biggest thing is that combined view of the customer. Like we talk about that, as it allows you to serve the customer better, but it also allows you to detect theft a lot faster and to kind of see trends in your products of where are you getting hit with the most fraud and the most theft.
1: So, so how you mean? Help me, and I'm sure this was probably in a previous episode, and so I'm supposed to remember <laughs> this, but. I'm not at the moment. And for those of you out there that are right there with me, you'll thank me for this. Tell me about this combined view. Help me, remind me on how are you meaning? Is this this the e-commerce view of a customer as well as a in-store view of the customer? Is that
0: correct? Correct. And really being able to tie those two together. So kind of a a best-in-class omni-channel setup that we've implemented for some of our clients is you're able to, within your e-commerce system, view the in-store purchases of a customer, and then even from the cash register, you can view their online purchases. And really what that means is the data from your in-store POS, the data from your e-commerce platform, its they're talking to each other. They're integrated. How do they, well,
1: that's a different topic. I The always question is, well, how do they connect them?
0: Um and, well the easiest way, you know, those loyalty programs are oh, all yeah, so duh, there's there you, <laughs> there's other sneakier ways, but, but that's the simplest one. We usually tell the stores who we are. So. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Um well what about what about something that's become becoming quite popular? And it started, I shouldn't say it started with with COVID, but it definitely gained popularity with COVID, the whole the bopus, the buy online, pick up in store.
0: Does that uh <laughs> does that help? Does that make it Better for thieves? It is different and new, like all technologies. So I think it can, uh, BOPIS can actually help you reduce theft and detect theft faster, but you have to have really good policies and procedures. Um, We recommend to the retailers we work with that you set a dollar threshold, or maybe you even do this for all orders, where you say, hey, I need to see your driver's license. Maybe even I'm going to key in your driver's license number um, showing that I checked your ID. Your ID matches the name on the order um, that type of thing, because there is there's fraud and theft even around BOPUS of basically stealing other people's orders. Because I've walked into stores before, you can see all the orders that are ready for pickup right behind the counter, and in a lot of stores, make it easier for their employees. It real big ticket that says, you know, this order is waiting for pickup from Joshua W. So I could just walk up and say, "Hey, I'm, I'm Joshua, Joshua w, w. Busy store associate. They don't check an ID. I just got somebody else's purchase." All right, so now I'm going to go around to stores and look for Joshua W, who's on the
1: BOPUS. Anyway, there you no, go. There you we'll go. skip that. So, all right, validating ID. That's obviously uh, that's obviously important. What other things from the e-commerce role, and and even even maybe helping that retailer beyond just understanding their customer? Is there because there's also theft even on e-commerce mm-hmm. as well just different, and it happens and looks and feels differently. But I guess it seems to be that it would be, theoretically, it'd be harder, do you think, on an e-commerce versus in a, in a store where, hey, I can just go and grab it, I see what I want, and I can theoretically and grab if I can run faster than the security person or whatever. Now, am I going to get caught because of cameras and other things? Yes, possibly, but it's,
0: different. See, it's uh, just yeah, different. It's different because you could have a stolen credit card that you pass online um, and you use to place an order. Um, So there's other ways. Um, We also see, um, basically at larger scales, you start seeing people abusing coupon codes or even abusing um, gift cards. Um, If you have a way to use a gift card you buy online, like an e-gift card, if you can use that in the store. Um, We have seen cases where very smart criminals figure out ways to buy those e-gift cards that aren't actually a valid payment method. Like They will use some sort of whether it's a stolen credit card, whatever it is, something that Mm. in a day or two, that payment gets reversed. Well, they've already printed out that e-gift card, gone to the store, purchased Purchased their stuff. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Well, Josh, what else can we do?
1: What else can our listeners do to help protect themselves in this uh, crazy world?
0: yeah definitely um, policies and procedures kind of the standard approach to loss prevention um, things that we've done is you know requiring and and then even considering validating employee id numbers when you mark an order as uh, picked and when you mark an order as collected um, because the other part of this um, in these financial reports they always refer to it as shrink and shrink is not just um, uh, customers stealing from you, it's also employees. and so you always have to think, you know you You trust your employees, you want to treat them like family, but you also have to realize every once in a while there might be a bad apple that gets in there and you need to, again, basically just collect this data and feed it into a system where you're actually able to track it, watch it, analyze it, have somebody actually looking at it. Um, Because the amount of data that we collect, especially in an omni-channel transaction, um, like a buy online, pick up in store, We can have everything from a picture of that person's face from when they picked up their order down to the IP address that they placed the order from. Hmm. They placed it from their phone, then we probably have all the specs on their phone, can figure out all sorts of stuff. If we're um, using Facebook or Meta and marketing and promoting that way, well, maybe we even have their Facebook profile, their likes, their dislikes, everything – Um, So there's a lot of information you can have and kind of apply to with a loss prevention mindset. I think a lot of the omni-channel retailers out there, all this data is in different systems. No one's looking at it. No one's bringing it all together. So I got
1: two questions. One is kind of part of the articles and the things that I was reading. What about the other side of this? What about the prevention or the protection around selling stolen goods? Mm -hmm. So... You know one of the things that I thought was crazy is laundry detergent is one of the items that is often stolen, especially in organized crime. And the reason it is a reason and there was a whole list of them, but the reason that is because they can they can offload it fast, make money quick. it's a it's a quick turn. But a lot of times they're dumping it almost back into the same system that it's going to be resold at in maybe not in the target or whatever, but maybe in a, second, third tier type of a uh, uh, retail establishment. Mm-hmm. Is there, and I know we didn't, probably this is this is no, a little no, off the no, cuff no. here, Josh, but uh,
0: is there, it, what can we do to, on that? What, well, I mean, you got to be careful. Um, if you are, especially my first thought was a large retailer, since we're not <laughs> naming names, I'll say a large retailer that is a type of mart. Um they're kind of known for they allow so many different people to sell on their website now through their marketplace, and so it would not surprise me if there was organized crime out there stealing laundry detergent from their stores and then going and listing it right back on their website cheaper than that store's price. So they're the ones that are getting sold um, and moving it that way. And we'll, so,
1: well, think about just the simplicity. I mean, they were talking about the simplicity of of eBay. Mm-hmm. And putting it out there or even the, you know, Amazon stores that can be built up in your Mart solution as well. <laughs> I mean, all of those that, that they've done that to encourage, obviously, the opportunities for people to, uh, to sell stuff. But it's like, gosh, this it, – it, how do you know that the laundry detergent or the uh, allergy medicine that you want and all of a sudden it's at this screaming deal – and you say, hey, wow, I'm gonna buy a couple of them or or more, that it's not stolen.
0: Yeah, and that's where as a consumer, I think there's things the brands can do and things the consumers can do. And as a consumer, look to see who you're buying from. Um if you're looking on a um Amazon and there's a price that is way too good to be true, and you look at who's actually selling it, um, even if it says shipped by Amazon, which says sold by, and it's a name you've never heard of, and they have no feedback, and they're brand new on Amazon. Might yeah, be a little sketchy. Might be. It's it's like they say, there's no such thing as a free lunch. Like, if the deal seems too good to be true, probably is. Probably is. But then also, not to turn us into commerce politics today, but even though we were talking about some TSA policies before the show, and it's a similar vein for the, the buyers in the marketplaces of... Know your customers and really get ID. When someone goes to set up a new account to sell on Amazon, to sell on eBay, if you're going to operate some type of marketplace, I don't know, more and more, especially D2C brands have been launching these um, secondhand marketplaces to like sell the used, I'm thinking of baby clothing again. There's one that sells kind of, you can sell your used clothing from that brand to other people that have um, want to buy it. One of the things they do is, in addition to, verifying who you are and wanting to verify your identity they actually match up what you're selling to what you bought from them so if you suddenly have thousands of dollars of baby clothes to sell on their platform and you've you know bought one thing from them then they know oh someone might be a little off here
1: that makes sense that makes a lot of sense all right well this really kind of puts together a, a whole lot of things. It definitely opened my eyes to some some challenges. Josh, from your perspective, kind of closing this up what are What are the key takeaways for our for our listeners for the merchants out there that uh, that either they're worried about this or they've seen it or both and uh, and some
0: last last things, last thoughts. Yeah. So one thing I forgot to mention um, is if you are selling high-theft items and you have a high-risk store. So you have a store where you're like, wow, these are getting stolen like crazy. Move those to a buy-online, pick-up-and-store-only model or a special order model and run those special orders through your website or through a a mobile app, something like that, Um, because that allows you to kind of control that purchase a little bit more. Hmm. Um, So working with a retailer that has basically moved all of those items into a locked-back room and you either have to ask an associate if you want to buy it in store, or you can just pull out your phone, place a store pickup order, go to the store pickup counter. But that way it's it's not out there where it's easy to smash and grab. And by funneling you through the buy online pickup and store process again, they're getting that additional data. All
1: the information. Yeah. 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 And I've even I've even heard of stores doing that where they might have a you know a tablet of some variety there that mm-hmm. if someone didn't have a phone or whatever, that the store associate could walk them through the purchase so it was truly still an online purchase and yeah. the, you could avoid that. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Any last things? Otherwise we'll we'll wrap a bow on this.
0: I think that the like so many of the things we talk about with Omnichannel, it really comes down to getting all of your data, all your systems talking to each other well, and then getting your departments talking to each other, making sure that e-commerce, store operations, loss prevention are all talking to each other and have a unified view of this data. And one thing, my second question, I forgot to
1: ask it, but this adds on to it and we can continue this in another episode if we need to, because we've talked about AI before, but what about how, how can AI help in bringing a lot of that data and a lot of that information together.
0: Oh, there's some cool stuff with that. And uh, I will just tease it up and say that AI is really good at spotting trends and spotting when trends suddenly change. And so if all of a sudden in your store data, it's saying, wow, we sold 5,000 times the amount of laundry detergent last week as usual, or our inventory um, counts were off by 5,000 times in laundry detergents, then you know, okay, I've got an organized crime ring targeting my store. And then that's where, again, kind of the different departments talking to each other, talking to your local police can really help and other retailers in your area and basically saying, hey, this is what we're seeing. We think there might be an organized group operating here. How can we work together to track this down?
1: All right. So some simple things, sometimes just locking things up and having a BOPUS type of uh, solution sometimes just staying a part of your community and knowing what's going on and making sure you know the local, uh, local law enforcement and other things in the areas. Well, we're excited. We're always excited to hear from you. So if you have questions or thoughts or insights or your even your own experiences in this, we would love to hear from them. You can see that on, uh, on our site for Commerce Today and where, we, uh, where you listen to this podcast. And with that, we'll call it a day. So tally-ho and have a great rest of your day.